Well, Rocket Ship listeners, we have a bit of a surprise. We usually release one episode every week, but today, well, we're still going to be releasing one episode, but we'll have two follow-up episodes next week on both Tuesday and Thursday. Three episodes all within a week. It's kind of taking a page from Netflix instead of dripping the series out. We're just going to throw it at you as fast as we can. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. A little different, but, you know, it's, it's kind of the same idea, you know? And it's something that actually has been in the works for the last few months for us. You could think of this as a, a little mini-series, if you will. It's something different from the product journeys we've been on lately, but you know, hey, doing different things, sort of our theme lately, right, Michael? I mean, last week's episode is a little different, right? <laughs> That's right. You know, changing it up, it keeps things fresh. So this mini series, I don't know, Mike, do you want to share what it's all about? Well, sure. We're going to be giving everybody a little dose of therapy. Oh, okay. Therapy. Okay. Well, I should say product therapy um uh, uh, <laughs> <Okay>. our good <laughs> friend i got nervous <laughs> well hey that that could be interesting too maybe we should jot that down but no our, our good friend christian idioti of the silicon valley product group he offered to turn the microphones on during some recent coaching sessions that he's had with his clients uh, with his clients permission of course but we thought it would be really interesting to air pieces of these coaching sessions so that you our listeners could you know, sit in and learn from them. Yes, product coaching, it's something that's really become more and more popular these last few years, hasn't it? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, and hey, even at Product Collective, I mean, we've been experimenting with things like our Rising Leaders Cohort Program and Coaching Collective, a, a subscription group coaching program. Both of them have sort of a small group coaching uh, component embedded into them. But for those that have never gone through coaching, it might be hard to get a grasp for what it's really all about. That's true. We thought we could give everyone a taste thanks to Christian Idioti and, of course, his clients. So let's get right into it right after we roll the intro and thank our sponsors. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing. They're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. This episode is supported by Trustonomy, an original podcast from OneTrust. Every good relationship you have, personal or business, it involves trust. But we all know that trust doesn't just happen, right? We've all lost trust in a friend or a brand or a product. Trustonomy is a new podcast that looks at true stories from the past to understand how trust works and what makes it stronger and how to rebuild it when it's broken. Now, you know, I'm a sucker for a good podcast that weaves historical stories 
and relates it to what's happening today. So I thoroughly enjoyed this Trustonomy episode and recommend that you check that out as well. Search for Trustonomy in your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Many thanks to the One Trust team for their support. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. Okay. So we are going to get started here. We're going to jump right into this conversation between Christian and his client. Here's dose number one of some product therapy coming right at you. Okay. Now, first off, who is this session with? Yes. Well, this is with one of Christian's clients, a deer. And I'm just going to leave it at a deer for now. But let's listen in and let's hear from a deer on who he is and what he's really looking for in this session with Christian. I'm a VP product uh, in a startup company, quite new. Uh, it's uh, kind of my first position as a VP, previously a uh, product manager and senior product in several companies and had the privilege to lead products, uh, big products, even ones that uh, exits to production. Now I'm leading a department, a startup in the ag tech world, and I'm leading a new team of uh, three product managers. I'm trying to build my my uh, knowledge and my expertise as a manager, you know, as a VP, and to grow into, you know, the view of management instead of the view of an employee or as a product. That's why I'm here. I want to talk to you about the challenges that I face and to help, uh, you know, find the ways to uh, improve uh, the way I work and the way I manage my people also. Okay. Well, then let's go to Christian. Let's hear how he wants to get started with a deer. Let's start with maybe what keeps you up at night these days. What, what, what do you feel is your biggest pain point, biggest challenge that you see today? First of all, as a manager, a lot of things keep you up at night, I have to say. There are two challenges that I face. First is how to, let's say, communicate well with my peers and my stakeholders, how to bring them to the table, how to make them align to product strategy. That's uh, one uh, challenge and also of course with my CEO you know uh, how to persuade him you know in in different uh, aspects and the second thing of course is how to build my team to be the best product team ever Mm. okay we don't have one product that everybody work on we have Mm -hmm. several products that that, the attention is very wide uh, and our goals are very high and uh, accordingly the complexity of, of management such an endeavor is is uh, is big. So for a deer, his challenges 
they're people challenges. Maybe not so surprising. I mean, quite often, these are the trickiest challenges to navigate as a product person and product leader. But let's go back to Christian and hear what he has to say about these people challenges. So, so two things you're calling out. You know, one, uh, you know, this is your first rule as a head of product, VP of product. You have concerns on how do I communicate with my peers, communicate with my stakeholders, take them along the journey, align them on where we're going. Um, also communicating up to your manager, the CEO and your boss, and who might have a different style or approach or expectations for what you have you, you should be doing. Mm-hmm. And then the second question being, well, I want to build a world-class team. I, I want a, a team of people to go win. Uh, we have many products we are managing. I want to make sure we have the right team to do it. Great. Typically, when I spend time with heads of products, I always want to make sure we are aligned on what the job is. <laughs> First of all. Uh, because in many cases, many managers will see their role as an aggregate of all things that their teams do. So if I'm a head of products and I have 10 products, then my job is the delivery of 10 products and mm-hmm. all of the outputs or things that we can do with all of those products. And so I, I often have to provide uh, an anchor on what the job is. If you're the head of product, uh, I always say the most important job is people. You've, you've moved from managing products to managing people. It's a mindset shift, and I always have to call that out. So coaching is always my number one. But I want to frame uh, what the job is in, in uh, leadership and management. From a leadership standpoint, as a head of product, your number one priority is context. Context meaning, we call it strategic context. Why are we here? Where are we going? How do we plan to get there? How do we organize ourselves to get there? what is important and what's important right now, right? So that's mm-hmm. what reflected in your mission, vision, strategy, product principles, team structure, um, objectives. The other part of the job is culture, mm-hmm. the environment in which we get to do those things, right? The language, the behaviors the, uh, that guide us, you know, uh, in the work we do, culture. Now, That's core of leadership. As a manager, your job is to find, attract, recruit talented people, to coach those people to their competency and then to their potential, and then to align them to those objectives, those important problems from the context. So if we are all on the same page, that this is the job, (laughs) as the head of product, your job is to provide context to your team, work on the environment so that an empowered team can strive and be successful, to coach people, to staff the team, and to align them to objectives. So if we're all in agreement and that's the job, then let's talk about what we need to do to get better at this job in this way. Now, your first question is very, very important because evangelism is also part of the job, taking other people along the journey telling the product story across the company. You also do have a manager of people. So there are two actual problems in here, and I want to separate them because those audiences are slightly different. Uh, one is an audience of your peers, uh, or what people might call the business, or other parts of the organization that will be impacted by your work. And the other is your boss. Right? <laughs> yeah. You report to, um, and who has expectations of 
what your role should be. As a leader of product, you are championing the product creation, uh, the value creation organization. Your job is to solve problems in a way that delights customers and in a way that works for your business. This is not an easy thing to understand for other people because traditionally we are used to telling technology or product teams what to do, right? <laughs> we want a new future. We want a new website. We want a new app. Technology go build it for us. So technology has had this subservient model, legacy mindset of serving the business. In this new concept here, you're saying to the team, we should partner together to solve the problem. You have to recognize that this is a big change in how people work and there's no reason for them to trust you yet mm-hmm. on this. The most effective technique I use in taking people along the journey is twofold. One is not just collaborating with them in shaping the things that I bring to them, but actually having them teach me those things. So the way I tackle this as a head of product, you know, I go to uh, an example, maybe the head of sales. And I say, look, um, I believe that there are many things I do not know about the organization, about the sales process, about how things work, what your pain points might be. I would love to spend some dedicated time working with you over the next week to learn more. I don't want to intrude on your time. I know you're super busy, maybe an hour every day. Just for the next three days or four days, I'll sit in a meeting you have. Let's look at your calendar. Maybe yourself. I'll just be a fly on the wall. And I'll listen and observe you. And I'll come on a call with you to clients. I will just immerse myself in your world to learn. Now, this act of humility is super important. I promise you, it only lasts a short window of time. People don't care how you know. They just care that you know things. You know, they're they going to test you. That's how they know you know things, by asking you a question and saying, see, Adia doesn't know our organization very well. So when you humble yourself here and say, you're doing this, remember, there are key people that are really stakeholders. Not everybody is. You know, there are key people that are influential in your organi- to your organization, influential in your work, whether it's the head of marketing, head of sales, head of operations, you know, think about that cohort. So you go immerse yourself with them. It's very difficult for that person to just talk about work. They're going to now be forced into forming a relationship with you because you're hanging out with them. So, dear, how are you? How is life? How is the family, you see? So, one key benefit is the relationship aspect. You are forcing this relationship in the humility of saying, I am teacher, I am student, you're teacher. See, that's okay. That's uh, there's nothing wrong with that. You're not coming in like you know product. You're not there to be like I don't know anything about product. You're saying I don't know where you're the expert at. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens in any type of dynamic or relationship is that the teacher is going to ask questions to the student. So not only are you going to be learning about their organization and sales and how they work, they'll be forced to learn about you and your organization and product and how you work. They are also now taking some accountability for educating you on the things that are important to them. Their challenges, their pain points. Their... They cannot in the future say, Adia doesn't know anything about what we are. Because they were responsible for teaching you, you see? So now you're putting, you're setting them up in a place in which they are now responsible for providing you clarity 
on their goals, their priorities, their organization, how things work. This is important to So I know it feels like a lot of work, up, but it's only upfront. This is not your new job. You're spending time. Let's say, if imagine if you took a week and there were five people in your organization that were important to take along. You know, it's a week. You did one hour, uh, 30 minutes a day with all those people. You're dedicating just three hours of, and in that week, you're going to learn about their world. They are going to learn about your world. Please don't do this as you need to sell them on the strategy and the vision. I am making a position or argument with you that they will learn that just by you spending time learning from them. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is you're building trust. They are now being competent and you're learning. You have a question here. Okay, let's pause here and we'll come right back and dive back into this conversation right after a short break to hear from our sponsors. Okay, before the break, we are midway through a coaching session with Silicon Valley Product Group's Christian Idioti and Adir, a VP of product at a startup. Actually, his very first stint as a VP of product. Anyway, when we took our break, Christian gave Adir some feedback, but it was clear that Christian's point, it was raising more questions from Adir, actually. So let's go back to that part of the conversation. Very important, uh, the personal relationship, and as you said, you know, to listen to your colleagues and and know about their pain points from my perspective they are my customers as well as my customers uh, or the product customers so uh, um, I I try to address that in the best way I see but I want to give you a a little bit uh, more perspective on my current situation yes Uh, I've been in this role for a year and a half already uh, Mm -hmm. even even a bit more and I'm, I'm one of the three let's say, main people who built the, the basis for this company. So okay. it's not my company, but I was hired as an employee. Yes. But I was, the let's say, the architect of the product and okay. in some way uh, the architect of the strategy. Uh, so so I'm, I'm more familiar in the way my colleagues work because we build it together. So if I work with, let's say, the professional team, okay, I'm not mm-hmm. saying exactly what they do, but the professional team, uh, let's say that I'm in finance, uh, those are the economic people, okay? Uh, and the biz, biz, business development team or marketing team, I was there when we talked with the first clients. So <laughs> I'm in a different position than going into a company that is already established uh, and, you know, uh, I need to understand the organization. Um, So if you can address, you know, from this point of view, I'll appreciate that also. Good, good, great insights. Now, you think about what I just described before. Mm -hmm. It still absolutely applies here. The difference here is that you are the one with the institutional knowledge the depth of the organization, how we came about, the strategy, you know the ins and outs here. Now, remember, many people may not even know that you know or how much you know. And as such, it's very hard for them to be convinced that you do know. Remember, the only way that I can actually know that you know something is kind of by testing you. You know, it's like, how do I know that you know one plus one is two? I'll ask you, hey, what's one plus one? 
You say to the doctor, see, he knows it. Now, I don't really care when you lent it <laughs> or how you lent it. I want to know that you know. Now, this is what's key about relationships. Remember, and trust. And also yeah. time changes, you know. We, we, yes, <laughs> time changes. People change. Things so, change. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I accept that. That's right. So I, I'm challenging you the best technique I know of communicating out with stakeholders and with peers is through a one-on-one, right? It's not a general all hands. It's not a PowerPoint or keynote presentation. It's not uh, in some big meeting. Is that personal relationship. And I typically challenge people to focus first on the trust dynamic and relationship before the message. Because I will not hear anything you're saying if I'm like, well, he's just telling me what to do. He's forcing his point on me. I don't really know where this is coming from. I don't believe into it. But so, you know, I tell people, it feels like a lot of work. But if I challenged you and I said, would you commit to one week of work for the next five to give you five years of peace where all of your stakeholders love you and support you? You're like, yes, it's a very cheap price. To pay for alignment. Uh, I'll sign it now. Exactly. <laughs> sign me up right now. Sign me up. <laughs> yes. But many people don't want to, you know, they, they, the easier way out, let's pull all of everybody, update them. Why are you not all getting what we're saying? This is where we're going and it's important. I want you to feel like it's their idea. I want them to feel a sense of ownership, to share. Because you don't want them just only sharing the success. You want them to share the difficulties and the challenges too. When things don't work out, when you miss a delivery, when, uh, you know, clients are upset. And so I, I, I want you to, to do this twofold. So there's two different problems. Your stakeholders, one-on-ones with them, uh, go from the standpoint of things have changed. They don't know what you know. You don't know what they know. Let's just focus on relationship. If you focus heavily on that, the strategy, coming, all those things will kind of flow naturally from it. Because they know you and you know them. Now, for your boss or your manager, I typically recommend a user manual for leaders and how you manage up in that way, right? Bosses are very unique in their own way, in their style, in their approaches. Their background affects them, mm-hmm. right? What they've experienced before, their historical context, the, the experiences that they've had, their expertise, they come with a lot of crystallized not wisdom, you know, over time and expertise. So this is what I've seen works before. This is what I know works before. This is how I work. That's so accurate, That's Christian. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, the interesting thing is I always tell people this because people fail to understand this. You kind of only have one boss. This is different from like stakeholders. And, you, you know, you're not trying to make everybody happy. Like, you know, the Steve Jobs quote is, if you want to make everybody happy, go sell ice cream, you know? <laughs> you know? So so different from like your peers or your team or company, you know, you can like fire people, people can come and go or change. But in a work environment, you kind of only have one boss, <laughs> kind of one direct person. So invest the time in understanding all of those things. You say, well, how do I do that? I just ask, claim out, ask my boss those questions. It sounds very well, but I promise you this. People will forget it, how they, how you know things. It's a very, in, like I can come to you, idea, you're my boss. I say, idea, I, I want to know, you know, what's your preferred way of communication? Do you like email? Do you like a phone call? Do you like one-on-ones? Do you, like, you, know, you know, tell me about it. Tell me, like, this is what I'm interviewing them. Think about it as a, a date. 
if you remember, you know, if you go on a date, you ask a lot of questions, right? And people are very forthcoming with those questions. And what happens is they know that you care about them when you use their answers in a meaningful way. I told you my birthday. And then it's like, I dear remembered my birthday. He's such a kind, thoughtful guy. Now they've forgotten that they were the ones that told you that information. They just know that you took advantage of it to make improve the experience. So I want to know from my boss what goals are important to them. How you know remember your boss also has a boss, whether it's a board, advisor, <laughs> everybody has a boss. Everybody has a boss, or you know, their spouse at home or their partner, right? So I want to know how they measure success, what their goals are, how they might get bonus. I want to you know, I want to know what makes them look good. You see? Because this is important to their construct. And some bosses hold it out on their sleeve where everybody can see in a meeting. They're always talking about the same things. You know what they care about. Or they care about people. They care about mission. They care about revenue. They care. So you can find out what they care about. Some good advice on how to communicate with your boss from Christian right here. We're going to pause once more, though, to hear a word from our sponsors. And we'll be right back to close out this round of product therapy. We are back with one final segment in this coaching session. We've had our friend Christian Idioti of the Silicon Valley Product Group record for us. This session was with Adir, a new VP of product. And in this piece of the conversation between Adir and Christian, Adir asks one final question about quality and process. Let's cut right to it. How do you address that, you know, keeping the the capability to manage effectiveness Okay, yes. quality of yes. deliverables from the product. Okay, yes. while not having too many or too complex processes, you know, yes. moving fast, as we call it. Uh, That's right. And not breaking things. Moving fast and not breaking things. <laughs> yeah. um, look, like I mentioned, many companies would default to scaling by process. I always recommend scaling with people. Okay, so. You know, let's say you have three teams, and by the end of the year, you now have six teams. Mm-hmm. Okay, with three teams, you could say, "Well, I can manage every product manager. I can coach them. I can support them. I can, you know, uh, um, remove obstacles and impediments." With you know six teams or eight teams, now you say, "Oh, I'm stretched." You know, now what people do is they default. Let me use a new process so that I can see what all the teams are doing. Everybody send me a report. You were not doing that before when you had three teams, you see? Mm-hmm. But now that you have a lot, you say, okay, let me use a process. Now, you might use a process, but what's happening here is now you're no longer spending one-on-one time with those people like you used to. You're no longer coaching them and supporting them, giving them uh, advice, removing obstacles. You're using a process or a framework to see, the, this is red. This report is red. Let us tackle the red and avoid the yellow now. And then the yellow becomes red and you tackle the red. Now the process is now teaching you to only respond to red and ignore green until it becomes yellow. You see? You see what's happening with the process? So what I tell people to do is you've got to hire generals. Think Mm -hmm. about it like you're in the military (laughs) or war. You know? It's hard to hire generals. Exactly. It's hard to be like, I know every branch of every team, what they are doing. What do they do? They hire generals who hire captains, who you see, this is how you manage teams. 
and they provide them with context and an environment where they feel empowered to go solve problems. You don't want to change that dynamic. So what you need to invest in is saying, I need to hire, you know, a director of product. See? Because now everybody, you know, I will continue to coach three teams. I will make sure he's well coached and so that he can coach the other three teams as well so that everybody still gets that. So, well, what happens when we have 20 now teams? We scale more. You hire more managers that can empower those teams. Not more process <laughs> to manage those. Oh, you know, someone was telling me, I spoke to a company earlier. You know, we hired a new class of 2,000 product people. We need a new process to manage. I said, you hire 2,000? Who are the managers of those people? You know, do you have managers? One manager is going to manage 28 people. Wow. Question, a question about that. That's, that's a good insight. Uh, and I have to say, I have a director of product in my team. Um, since we have different platform, which enhance the, the complexity of, of management, in my, my opinion. But I was wondering, the, uh, uh, what do you think is the golden ratio for uh, uh, you know, v, VP, the, uh, director, and products uh, in that uh, scale. So you have like a golden number. Just for, for ratio of ratio. Yeah. Um, so in terms of like span of control, how many direct reports should somebody have? First of all, um, I personally always recommend no more than eight mm-hmm. and the reason I picked that number I, I, there's not a science behind it in my mind I always say if, you know if, if I work eight hour days you know that's my days eight hours if I had something important that I needed to dedicate one hour in my day to the people that work for me then that's my whole day mm-hmm. if I have if it's if I have nine people and they're only eight hours that means somebody <laughs> doesn't get an hour with me that day now, if you're not a rock star coach or manager, it's very hard for you to, you know, dedicate one out and still support things and remove impediments and obstacles. But that is kind of my threshold because when you know the job, you recognize it's a very involved job. Your job is to make sure people are competent at their job. Not to do the job, but to make sure people are competent mm-hmm. at the job and then to coach them to their potential. So the span of control for me is right around eight people. Now, um, I typically don't like to promote people to where they're incompetent. Like, oh, you're a senior PM. You've never been a manager before. Let me just make you a VP of product. So I typically will say, let me make you like a group product manager where I give you one PM to manage. Mm -hmm. Because you may not even know if you like it to be a manager. And nobody has ever coached you on how to be a manager. So I will be coaching you and helping you with one person. And then if you like it, then I can give you more and then you can transition to a director of product. Mm-hmm. Right? So if, if you are using my span of control model in that way, then one director of product can manage maybe up to eight product managers, which you mean up to eight different products mm-hmm. in that way. Um, and you as a VP, remember your job is not just coaching. You have a lot of responsibility with the product vision, with the product strategy, Right with the objectives and then managing your peers and your and your CEO. Okay, so I will always say you know you want to look at your organization and your growth trajectory. If you're seeing like this year we are 
You know, we had 20 people in the product team. We're going to 60 people. You know, you can say, I need some managers, some generals to coach and help those people. And my job is to coach and support those people I'm helping to as well. So VP of product, leader of the product, head of product, leader of the product organization, spending a lot of time on context and culture. The directors of product people managers spending a lot of time on coaching product people and equipping them to be successful. If the VP of product is a general, that VP needs lieutenants. And Christian contends that you have to advocate for those lieutenants as you can't do everything by yourself when you're a product leader. Certainly not well anyway, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's so true. Well, there's more to the conversation, but we're actually wrapping things up right here. Now, we hope that you got value from this dose of product therapy. Sometimes just listening into the challenges that others are going through it helps because chances are if you're a product leader or soon to become a product leader, you may very well be experiencing these very same issues. And we're going to hear about more issues that others are dealing with and Christian's take on those with two more episodes of Product Therapy right here on Rocketship.fm. So for Mike Belsito and Christian Idioti, I'm Michael Saka, and this is Rocketship.fm. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network. And if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to thepodglomerate.com to see the full show listings. This episode was mixed and mastered by Court Deans. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.